All right, folks. We hope you had a great 4th of July. You know, a couple of days ago, you guys were doing the fireworks and the alcohol and the droogs and fornicating, probably, for crying out loud, showing off your true independence. Uh, and with all the fornication that was going on around the 4th of July, I could hear it from my bedroom. It was very upsetting. And um, they got us to thinking, both of us, because Ray was there with me. Don't ask me why. It was my, he was in my bedroom with me. But we were thinking about the show, and we said, you know, with all those fornicating go around, we should probably talk about the fact that forever, for a long, 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 long time, there's been some, uh, some speculations that run deep within the spiritual and the humane world. Um, and those beliefs are that demons have sex with humans. Now, I know the Jewish and the Christian beliefs are very heavy uh, with these things in their traditions, you know what I mean? Um, before we kind of popped into uh popped into this episode what did you really uh what did you know much about this subject ray anything a little bit a little bit it's fairly common in a lot of cultures not just uh judeo hebrew uh the christian and jewish traditions it's common along the world but very heavy in that one i mean you can you can go back to uh, the Old Testament, New Testament, what the church has done. It's really in there deep. That's very true. Um, I, I like, I don't, it's one of those things you see in cinema and fairy tales and stuff like that of the demons. You know, it's been in movies since the beginning of movies. It's been in stories since the beginning of stories. Um, the whole belief of... Uh, Demons and humans, you know, getting down. But we're going to dive into some of the facts here today. And we're going to figure out by the end of this, you know, indeed what we do believe to be fact or fiction um, when it comes to demonic diction. So we're going to hop in real quick and uh, we're going to get going. So now, now Houston Physics and Pastor Stella Emanuel, you know, very important entities over there described as a uh, spectacular, you know, by Donald Trump himself for uh, her promotion of the unsubstantial claims about anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine as a cure for COVID-19 has some others very, uh, has some very unconventional views. Now, I brought that up because the physicians claim that sex with demons can lead to miscarriages. Uh, that made headlines, you know, but this belief is not an aberration in the history of Judo-Christian thought, you know what I mean? As well as believing, you know, that the scientists are working on a vaccine to make the people less religious. Um, we're getting very Behold the Pill podcasty here. U.S. government is run by reptilian creatures. Are we on Behold the Pill podcast, Ray? And I did I slip into a dimension here? Uh, Emmanuel, the leader of the Christian ministry called Firepower Ministries, also believes sex with demons causes miscarriages, impotence, cysts, and endromeritosis, among other maladies. Uh, it has opened opened her up to much ridicule, as you'd assume something like that would. You know, first of all, you're talking about the spiritual. Just that element a lot would get you probably some jokes. 
And then adding sex into the equation definitely gets you the jokes because so people are so uh, so intimate of a thing that pe- when you bring it up, it's like little kids. They get red in the face and they go, ooh, you know what I mean? Now, the U.S. government, you, know, you know, she's getting ridicule. It's unfortunate. She just got some beliefs, you know what I mean? There ain't nothing wrong with that. But as an early scholar of the early Christianity, I am aware that the belief that demons or fallen angels regularly have sex with humans runs deep in the Jewish and Christian beliefs. Now, the whole thing with um, the Nephilim, that was angels, right, that they had sex with? Humans and angels had sex? Fallen angels, yeah. So, yeah, so I wonder, and that was Nephilim. So I wonder where these... You'd almost get like a weird sea creature, like a Cthulhu type vibe off of like a demon and a human having sex type vibe. But um, regularly they have sex with humans. Um, you know, we'll see. I know that there, I'm sure there's a lot of exes out there that would claim that, you know, their, their ex-boyfriend, their ex-girlfriend were straight up the demon known as Satanus himself or themselves. You know what I mean? Um, that's just one of those things. Um, they're hardly, you know, very of very few and far between is there. You know, I feel uh, the blade, the break is pretty clean without the other calling the other a demon type deal. So, do you want to say anything about that opening before we pop into what exactly demon sex is? Well, uh, Nephilim, if you take. Uh a demon being something from another dimension. I mean, heaven or hell could be another dimension. And the reality of multiple dimensions is there. Uh, quantum physics, everything, it's there. So if something from that dimension comes into this one, it's able to manifest physically, or maybe in that dimension they have a physical form. Uh, they come into this dimension uh, for them to want to mate with or have sex with the females in this this dimension on this planet, it's not that unusual. And they they would, once you're mixing DNA, so to speak, produce a hybrid, and that would be the Nephilim, the giants from uh, ancient history that walked the earth. They're the, they're the children of that mix uh, of the two uh, entities from this world and the other side. Now that's an that's an angels though. What what do you, what's your take on what a what a demon and a human would be? You think it would be, you know, angels are more powerful than demons? I assume, right? Well, a demon is nothing but a fallen angel, correct, or an evil entity. Again, if it's from another dimension, uh, it would come into this one. If it's a uh, demon being labeled as evil, would want to control, uh, would want to propagate, and the best way would be to have sex with a human. Hmm. Is that like how people would say that would probably would come across a character like an Adolf Hitler or machine gun Kelly type character? Uh, Definitely people would uh, be likely to blame the demon or the evil force that not only may have influenced them, but from the very beginning actually uh, planted the seed in the woman that uh, gave birth to him. Does that make, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, that they might not be, the fallen angel, I mean, they got to lose a little something. They got to lose some of their pizzazz, I assume, with being exiled from heaven, even though they're going to hell, which is kind of the opposite. But like some people would claim was equally as powerful or equally as important or equally, you know, whatever. 
uh, an equal. And if that was the case, you would assume that something would happen. Now, I don't really think that there's an equal type thing there. I feel like when you go God versus the devil, I feel like God is a more powerful entity. And when you go demons versus angels, I feel like the angels are more, um, more powerful of an entity than the demons. So with that being said, like if with the demon, even if they're all starred the same and they were stripped of their, you know, holiness, that would make sense for like the Nephilim deal with the, with angels. And then with demons, them to almost be just kind of like the evils within and evil will always try and hide itself as well, though. Don't you think? Uh, could hide inside of people. Sometimes they call it possession, but also by mating with also joining with humans in a sexual act and procreating then what the demon there is trying to gain more power, spread more influence, get that power back. Yeah. And by corrupting and becoming one with the human race. You think you'd be dealing with more of like a Jin type character at that point, entity at that point? Uh, Jin in their tradition, some of them actually walk the earth looking like humans. So, yes, I would say so. That's what I think it would be like. You know, but let's get into the nitty gritty here. All right, put the kids to bed. We're about to talk about grown-up demon stuff. That is the birds and the bees of the demon nature, demon sex. Clear my throat. We're going to get very adult right now. You know what I mean? Now, the earliest account of demon sex in Jewish and Christian traditions come from the book of Genesis, which is numero uno one in the Bible. I don't know. Um, what's the Jewish Bible called? Uh, the Torah. The Torah. I don't know. I don't know that's where a, Genesis lies in that, if it is. I'm sure the that's story. A, that's the first five books, which would include uh, Genesis. Hmm. It's interesting. How, you know, a lot of religions, I know Jewish and Christian, it's a very weird thing because you have a Jewish man creating Christianity. So, like, don't you, you almost feel like a little bit of the Jewish stuff would kind of follow. He was probably raised Jewish, you know what I mean? So a little bit uh, was probably plucked from there. Now, Jewish and Christian traditions come from the book of Genesis, which detail the origins of the world in the early history of humanity. Genesis says that prior to the flood of Noah, fallen angels mated with women to produce a race of giants. Now, did they have to get married to have mating? Because I know that humans have to. So I wonder how, what, where that lies in, in the eyes of God. You know what I mean? What do you think? Um, I doubt about the. I doubt the whole marriage thing. I think it was just uh, getting it on with humans. And it was just against the rule, you think? You think this was against the uh, the godly law, or do you think this was just okay? Um, I think it was against the law, the mixing. Yeah, you think uh, it would be? Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what, I mean, maybe that's one of the things that gets them cast down, as well as, of course, you know, siding with Lucifer and the big beef. Well, the uh, other thing is, if, yeah. you, if you look at it, like, even today, if you go outside of the realm of uh, demons, I mean, how many people would say yes to inter interspecies breeding? I mean, let's let's face it. Uh, and you have some scientists that are trying to grow 
these hybrid things, but once you start mixing human cells with animal cells, you're playing with something pretty dangerous there, and no one is really in their right mind to give a thumbs up to that. That's a weird time. When we get to that, which I do think, I do think one day, as far-fetched as it sounds, I do think that in the exoticness and weirdness of humanity, there will be people, maybe it'll be some crazy Kardashian from, you know, the future that'll think it'll be cool for their kid to be mixed with a tiger or something. You know what I mean? Like something weird. And uh, once the once you open Pandora's box, everything can flood in. And uh, you might not be a big fan of what comes, but if if that was the if they were to one day do that, you never know. That could be the that could be breaking down the barrier of communication between species, which would be quite interesting. You know, we've talked about this on the show before, where it's kind of weird that we where, where humanity and animals are so different. Um, you know what I mean? And they have their own little deals and they don't really, they commu- They have their own little way of communicating, but they can't actually openly just talk to each other. But it'd be interesting if that, if one day that was not so, and uh, that we could, that'd be very interesting. But and I think like something like that would be our way of getting there. But I don't support doing that because uh, I think humans feel, the depression roaming around the earth already from people that don't feel like they belong in this world. And that they feel like they're different when they're humans. Take you know now add now add the outcasty thing of being half tiger. Um, yeah, sure there'll be some people that'll think that's cool. There's gonna be a lot of people afraid of you. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of people that don't want you alive. You know what I mean? That's unfortunately comes with the territory in every situation like that. Now in the third century BC, uh, the Book of the Watchers. An apocalyptic vision written in the name of a mysterious character named Enoch, uh, mentioned in Genesis, expanded on this intriguing tale. In this version, the angels, or the watchers, not only have sex with women and birth giants, but they also teach humans magic, the arts of luxury and knowledge as astro- of astrology. This knowledge is commonly associated in the ancient world with the advancement of human civilization. Yeah. Now, Enoch's one of those things, the Book of Enoch. You know, you hear about that a lot in, uh, you know, uh, religious groups that like to go outside the box. Maybe some Behold the Pill podcast, conspiracy type podcasts would talk about stuff like the Book of Enoch. What's your take on the Book of Enoch? Do you think it's a legitimate lost chapter of the Bible, or what do you think? Uh, The Book of Enoch, yeah, it's outside of the regular canon, not accepted. Um, it does show up primarily in older Jewish writings. Mm-hmm. Um, it really didn't come into prominence until uh, what you would call a common era uh, after the birth of Christ is when it, when it became prominent and people started studying it. Um, with Enoch, and if you're talking about specifically the Nephilim would teach humans magic, and astrology and different things. One reason to exclude that book and to call those uh, the Nephilim demons or demon bread would be if they're teaching humans, giving humans knowledge and teaching them magic, which is not surprising if they can cross over from another dimension, what sort of knowledge and uh, abilities can they pass along to look outside of 
uh, what's established. Now you're challenging the establishment. And the establishment, uh, whether it be kings in the Old Testament, even uh, since then, medieval times, kings, and then you get the religious establishments such as the Vatican and the Pope, they don't want to challenge. They want to hold on to everything. They want to hold on to all the uh, knowledge and the power. So they're immediately going to throw that book out and demonize, excuse my using that phrase, but demonize the Nephilim and make them bad because you don't want that knowledge. No, you can't have that. Uh, the only thing you can get is us. You know, so it's it becomes kind of a control thing. Uh, they're interesting. It's interesting to read, and it has some some uh, fascinating things in there. I don't think it's as bad or as contradictory as a lot of people put it. I think that's just the way they've been brainwashed. Uh, religious groups probably wouldn't want to get down with Enoch as well, because uh, there, there there are some that actually do, but it's a small group. Most uh, turn their back. Yeah. Now, Enoch almost has like an alien-like vibe to it, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know if you would call it alien. People like to plug that in. Uh, I know. <laughs> Excuse me. I think even I think even a dimensional being <clears throat> going along, I think a dimensional being is just as threatening to, you know, a religious point of view or you know, agenda than um, an alien would be, you know what I mean? Well, I, I also think that sometimes it's the way people think. People say, oh, dimensional being and this and that. Well, if heaven were a place, if it is a place, yeah. and there are angels there, it's obviously somewhere other than this world, so that puts it in another dimension. So uh, angels are interdimensional beings demons are interdimensional beings uh, that that's just i don't know from my point of view is yeah they're outside of this dimension okay we're going to call them angels or demons good or bad yeah and technically yeah since they're different from us and outside of our world some people will call them aliens because they're alien to us different yeah. from yeah for sure you know it's uh, i think they're just afraid of not, not having more stuff not to not to be able that they can't really discuss you know like faith is one of those things when you believe something that there there's an, there is not exactly evidence of right there on paper so to speak but you still believe it that's faith you know what i mean um so i think that even they can't explain it and i think that enoch and aliens and dimensions are more stuff they can't explain so i don't think they want to add more unexplainable things to their plate, you know what I mean? And I'm not giving them hard times or their beliefs hard times. I'm just thinking realistically, I think, is criticism. I think they don't want to deal with the criticism. They already have enough criticism on their plate, so to speak, that they don't want to go any deeper, you know what I mean? Oh, I, 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 I agree. If it's uh, unfortunately over a period of time, a lot of things have been edited out. I know that the uh, was around 300 years after the birth of Christ in the common era, around that time they had the Nicene Council and they took, uh, they eliminated about 40 different, actually in excess of 40 different writings or books, gospels and other books that they threw out to just be able to get it down to four telling their story. That these were the people in charge and these were the people that uh, 
who are ruling or governing other people. That's why you never see the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Philip, or just the James the Just, or the Gnostic scriptures. You don't see any of that because it didn't fit their agenda. And it is unfortunate that the human ego and power struggle extends to uh, trying to manipulate everything people can read or believe. Yeah. It's true. You know, now the Book of the Watchers. Were you familiar with the Book of the Watchers? Uh, familiar with parts of Enoch, but uh, not the Watchers. Okay. Enoch's very interesting. Do you have uh, the book of the, of, of the, uh, do you have like a book of the Book of Enoch by any chance in your, in your uh, possession? Uh, no, but I have access to uh, a study on uh, the Book of Enoch and the messages in there. It'd be very interesting to hear what, uh, maybe we'll do an episode on it to hear kind of what, uh, the actual, what it entails and what, what all the hype's about, so to speak. In the future. And now the Book of Watchers suggests that fallen angels are the source of human civilization as scholar and that Yoshiko Reed has shown the Book of Watchers had a long life within Jewish and early Christian communities. Until the Middle Ages, its descriptions of the fallen angels were widely influential. The story is quoted in the uh, canonical Apostle of Jude. Jude cites the Book of the Watchers in an attack on perceived opponents who he associates with demonic knowledge. Do you know how uh, he's how it's used in the Book of Jude? Uh, no, no, I don't. Right, I'm curious. He's being attacked, and I wonder if he uses it to ward him off or what the deal is. Um, Christians in the second century AD, such as the influential theologian Tertullian of Carthage, treated the text as scripture, though it is only considered scripture now by some Orthodox Christian communities. Uh, Tertullian retells the story of the Watchers and their demonic arts as way of discouraging female Christians from wearing jewelry, makeup, and expensive clothes. Dressing in anything other than simple clothes for Tertullian means that one is under the influence of demons. See, that's kind of scary old-time stuff. That brings me back to the thought of witch trials and stonings for, you know what I mean, for being a woman. Um, Kind of very current with what's going on right now with all the abortion stuff. It kind of lines right up there with that. Um, someone's going to crack open the old uh, the old book again, I guess. Um, now, what's your take on this vibe of dressing, you know, flashy or sexy is like a sign of a demon? That seems very Middle Eastern-like. That seems very... Um, I don't know. What's your take? No, I agree. It's uh, outright censorship. And the flip side of that, too, which no one ever, or very few people ever talk about, and even today it exists, is that, you know, some, unfortunately, there are some males that were saying, well, she she dresses that way, so she's asking for it. Yeah. Um, once you're dictating a point of a point based on how she dress dresses and the sexuality. What people don't say is, well, does that mean that 
a man is so weak that he totally loses control. I mean, to, to me, it, it's just an excuse for bad people to act bad. So what you got to do is you got to clothe the woman from uh, head to toe so that the man doesn't lose control. I put that one back on the male species. You're, you're losing control. Don't make excuses. Yeah, I think that the self-control issue is a problem I need to work on. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's that's an awful type. Some situations like that are, you know, they got to head to toe. And even if they, you know, if some bad dude comes along and wants to just take advantage and do something, even if they fight it after it, they're looked. They're like looked at like they just openly gave it up. It's like horrifying. Like I, my heart goes out to the folks in that culture that have to deal with stuff like that because that is horrifying shit. Um, very, uh, very horrifying. Very horrifying, crazy stuff. I heard a quote today, or I heard somebody say something today that went with kind of the abortion thing, which. Uh, rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. It was kind of, I mean, it, it kind of hit, hit the nail on the head a little bit. And the, the, the ugliness of it was pretty brutal. And the quote, it was something about somebody said, you know, not because, you know, they can't do the, it's very, now the quote's this, this is the quote. Uh, it's about the abortions and you can't have an abortion now. And the quote was about somebody saying, well, now rapists can, choose who they want the mother of their kid to be and that's very angry makes you very angry at least me very angry to hear because it's like in a way you're kind of, it's kind of right you know what i mean but much like everything there's the yin and the yangs you know what i mean you know in every every you know you got one story of someone something brutally attacked and gets pregnant you know uh in a situation like that and then you have like the flip story of somebody that just does goes and has sex with you know a different person every weekend doesn't worry about a condom and they get pregnant and they just kill the baby like it's nothing you know there's the yin and the yang there's both sides there that and depending on what side is the side you ride for you know what i mean and we'll get all upset about when the whole thing's upsetting you know what i mean but it fits that kind of i get that 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 one little part of this brought me right back to all that it's crazy that That'll be an, that's a never-ending problem, right? The, the, this will this will be around when all of us are all gone. They'll still be dealing with, you know, stuff like this. It's kind of crazy. Um, now, well, yeah, well, one thing is that, um, yeah, let's say going back to uh, dressing head to toe and trying to hide anything. The man, the man is not taking responsibility for his actions. Correct. And there are some people out there that I really will say that, well, the reason we have the devil is so we have something to blame for our evil. Mm. And we have to start taking responsibility ourselves for the evil that we do. That's deep and 1,000% accurate. Now, Christians like uh, the Tertullians came to see demons behind almost all aspects of ancient culture and religion. So that's interesting. So they kind of, I think what you were going with right there, the blame, you know, you got to blame somebody, but not the person in the mirror. Many Christians justified obtaining from the everyday aspects of ancient Roman life 
from consu- uh, from consuming meat to wearing makeup and jewelry jewelry by arguing that such practices were demonic. Yeah, eating meat is still a deal uh, for certain people. Jewelry and makeup is a big deal for certain people. It's kind of crazy. I think it goes back to like it all has to stem back to the whole bare bones of things. Um, you you don't need it, so why do you have it type deal? I think there's a little bit of that in there. There's a little bit of why do you have it while I don't have it. I think there's a lot of that from the outside. Um, but I think, you know, I think that that's, you know, they're able to tie it into the cultural thing of it to be like, well, they had nothing back then. You know what I mean? And uh, everybody was peasants for crying out loud. And um, it was tough times. I remember them well. You know what I mean? But very weird. Very weird take. What's your take on that, Albert? Uh, it's weird, but I, I, I think also it's control. Yeah. I mean, if you're the man telling the woman that she, how she has to dress and can't wear makeup and has to keep her head covered and stuff, you're nothing but a controlling bully. You're not allow, allowing a person of the other gender to express themselves and to be who they want to be because you're weak enough that you can't control yourself. I mean, these are like the freedoms that people kind of talk about in the differences that, that people have, you know, where you're able to do, you know, oh, the grass is always greener on the other side, I think, in everybody's mind, no matter how good you have it, whether you're, uh, you know, whatever whatever the fight is for. But um, let me, uh, let, let's pop back into this real quick. Now, Christian fascination with demons having sex with humans developed significantly in medieval world, that kind of makes sense. You think there's because of more mystical and more magic around that time? I felt. Um, I I agree. It's uh, the belief in nature and magic and the mystical part was much stronger then. And so, what you would have is that again, uh, anytime would someone were to do something outside of, let's say the established church of that place, it was always a demon doing it. And that would include uh, the influence of sex, which uh, was put down. It was procreation only. And again, that that was control. You can go around the world and you can even go to many ancient cultures, including in the Middle East, that uh, it was celebrated as a wonderful, natural thing, a gift. But uh, over time, those in power decided that's not very good. We got to control them. You got to tell them what they can and cannot do. Yeah. So let's let's take sex away. Yeah, sex is really that. It's so good. It's got to be bad type vibe. You know what I mean? It's it's your built in. It's like the one built in pleasure system that you're given from like God. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the feel good, like feel good type deal. Um, yeah. So like it would only it's only a matter of time before they'd have to throw the big X on it. You know to make it make it an issue. Now, historian Eleanor Janiga has recently shown that it was uh, in the medieval period that beliefs about nocturnal demon sex, those echoed by Emmanuel today, became common. In the medieval, yeah, I mean, the medieval times known to be pretty brutal. A lot of people getting killed off in the medieval time. Uh, justified, not justified. Accidental sickness. This is a serious time for uh, death floating around. 
Um, and what better way to what better boogeyman to blame that on than the demo? The demo. Um, I assume prostitution's been a, been around since day two or something like that. What do you think? Oh yeah, it was very common in the ancient world. It's uh, it was a more res- it's it's a weird business. Like I wa- I'd love to read a book on that. Um, I wonder if there was ever a time that the girls were really respected and it was kind of a respected profession, and then it kind of went downhill because it is kind of something that'll always be morgues and and and, and hoe houses will always be open. It's one of those things, just like a liquor store. Um, I, I'm very curious if they've always been a shit on profession. You know what I mean? It's a terrible job. I wouldn't want to do it. And um, there's really no benefits to it. You know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a gay, it's like a sport for crying out loud. Like once you hit a certain age, you're finished. You know what I mean? Uh, once you get out of like your twenties, you, you know, to be stick. I'm not going to go any further in case we have any prostitutions listening because we love all of our audience out there. But the, the whole game is hard, you know what I mean? Um, so, But I'm very curious to see uh, if it's always been frowned upon. Because it's so weird. Because frowned, it's one of those things that people go would go to it and take advantage of and love to have, enjoy their time there. But then while walking away, demonize it you know what i mean it's a it's one of those weird things it's kind of like drugs and alcohol i guess in a way but you know it's very uh it, it could be a story for a whole other day now uh legendary magician merlin from the tale of king arthur he was said to have been sired by an incubus a male demon sired does that mean sex, or does that just mean almost courted or had a relationship? Could it be a friendship? Uh, that means his mother had sex with. Okay. So that's probably, that's what they claim his deal is. And Merlin is probably the most famous of um, kind of real-life um, wizardy-type wizard, right? It is. I think that as far as uh, like the Nephilim teaching magic and Merlin having magic, uh, even today, you take uh, what's fairly common is Reiki, which has been around for a long time. Yeah. And it's healing, the healing power of the universe. I know a particular individual that I uh, respect, they call it the Christ healing. It's the, he- the healing of the universe, their perspective. They put it that way. But you go amongst certain religious groups, and it's put down as magic and evil. Mm. But if we live in a if we live in a creation created by a divine being or divine source, and everything it is in it has a spark of that divine, and someone has learned how to call upon that uh, spark and that healing that runs throughout the universe and heals somebody, um, I don't see that as bad. But there are some people again that is outside of their uh, narrow beliefs or what their church or temple says so that they automatically condemn it, even though it helps people. Now, the magic of Merlin, which we'll do an episode on in the future, it's like back in the day, what do you think they can, to be a a magician, what do you think it consisted of? Probably not much big tricks. So you think there was big tricks like 
landscape changing stuff or you think it was a lot of like uh, maybe quickness of hands or um, outsmarting people? What do you think? Um, not quickness of hands. <coughs> um, okay, you have one story that has to go and I've forgotten the details. It wasn't Merlin. It was his he had a competitor and she was it was a she and she was considered evil. She stalked him most of her life. But what she did at one point is a man who loved a woman, um, she transformed him to look like the man the woman loved. And they had sex and they didn't produce the child. So it's kind of like transforming, deceiving, uh, metamorphosis, uh, levitation. There's a whole lot in there, but it's a much more serious magic than card tricks. Mm. Yeah, I believe that there was something to it. I think that the people that do magic, I think they're born with like a psychic some type of psychic weird element to them. You know what I mean? I don't think it can be the people that really do it. I don't think they can be trained. I think you have to be born with the gift type deal. Um, the ones that want to be trained are probably more the, the hand tricks and the stuff like that. Uh, the people that get good at it like that. You think, you know, people that are naturally born with the gift, they probably want to hide it. Um, some might want to show it off, but I feel like the majority would want to hide it, especially going through the, you know, the timetable of existence like this, where, you know, when you were perceived as evil, they, uh, they sat you on a stick and put you a fire. You know what I mean? Uh, stuff like that, that you really don't want to deal with. You know what I mean? Um, it's very interesting stuff. I definitely want to do an episode on Marilyn in the future. But uh, now let's get into some demonic deliverance. You know what I mean? Because that's always an important trait. Um, For for as long as Christians have worried about demons, they have also thought about how to protect themselves from those demons. You know, the first biography of Jesus, the Gospel of Mark, written around A.D. 70, presents Jesus as a charismatic preacher who both heals people and casts out demons. In one of the first scenes of the gospel, Jesus casts an unclean spirit out of a man in the synagogue at Capernaum. Do you remember that story? Uh, yes. Now, does it, does it, it doesn't go into detail where that demon, that guy might have picked that spirit up, did it? Uh, no, back at that time, people who were, had uh, certain ailments, particularly um, psychological ones yeah. and others, they were considered possessed at the time. Right. So what you would do is you would, you would cast out the demon, and the person would be better once the demon is gone. So there's people that were born uh, without the use of their legs that were handicapped that probably were killed violently because they couldn't be healed of the demon inside of them back in the day? Uh, I'm not sure about the handicap, but on so, in some illnesses, they were shunned. They were would live on in the streets or on the edge of town. People would shun them, uh, persecute, persecute yeah. them. Yeah. We're talking about like dogmen now and, and like the witches and stuff type vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, it's uh, those bad shake, those Wolf Brothers from back in the 90s TV show that I watch. Those, uh, you know, I wonder what would cause something like that to, to die out other than being killed, other than them hunting them down. And that, that the only reason why there's two of them in existence is because they survived. Um, I'd love to check in on them and see where they ended up because my, my child mind could have been fueled by makeup prosthetics at the time. And, uh, my life, it could have just been like the national Enquirer TV, you know what I mean? And completely fake. What do you know about those brothers? Cause we've talked about them before on the show. I tend to think what happens is in the genetic structure, it's the weaker or hidden gene and it really doesn't come out, uh, very often. It's uh, other other parts of the person's genetic makeup are stronger so that it's probably the gene is probably out there in people. It's just not dominant enough to manifest or influence the physical aspect of the person. If you were born with fur all over your body, like one of those gentlemen, would you try and deal with society or would you just take off in, into the woods or something into the mountains and do your own deal? Uh, well, my choice would probably be either take off because I wouldn't want to deal with society and all its prejudices against anything that's different. Yeah. Or I'd turn around and find some really uh, smart, aggressive person to market me, oh, there you go. make millions off it and then sit in my mansion behind high walls with security laughing at everybody that uh, is they're criticizing me because while I take their money. That's a good point. You can make that money and get out. Um, yeah. Show up once, once in a while just to keep that bank account fat, uh, do whatever that public thing is we're doing to bring the money in, and then disappear again and chuckle at the world disappear and start a podcast called mostly woefully <laughs> and then take over then go pay go go patreon and make millions everybody if there was a second question if there was a, a werewolf mix person that had a podcast would you listen uh out of curiosity yes for a couple episodes till they got started talking about their favorite books and shit then i probably have to get out of there I'd be done at that point. Unless there was, I'd, I'd love to know the life of... I, I can tell you right now, you got to vacuum the floor a lot. And uh, you got to stay away from the floor in general. Let's just stay away from the floor. Now, in one of his letters, to going back to our, 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 our uh, dudes here, you know, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul argued that women could protect themselves from being raped by demons by wearing veils over their heads. So Apostle Paul is the dude to kind of throw a little blame on it, I'd say. And he's not a demon, so we're going in a positive direction. But from what, what this sounds, and much respect to Apostle Paul, dude, I got no beef. But how this sounds is, you know, some people took your message the wrong way is what I'm what I'm hearing. So, uh, but it all kind of came from that, I guess. That's how it sounds, huh? A little bit. What's, what's curious about that, if you're talking about a veil, uh, which is quite often a sign of respect, but beyond that, in, in religious ceremonies, 
but beyond that is if, if you start looking at the whole chakra system and you get the crown chakra, which is the open one that you absorb things through, yeah. then if you cover it with a veil, you're protecting yourself. That's true. <clears throat> We're hiding. Now, Christians, they also turn to ancient traditions of magic and magical objects such as amulets to help ward off spiritual dangers. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I would probably, you know, the, when they take the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, there's something I always felt very magical, like magic orientated about that ceremony. You know what I mean? Like there was something about it. You have that, I guess with amulets, you know, if you ever go to a, you go to a Catholic church, you see all types of weird stuff, you know, hanging all over that place. Like, uh like a museum, you know what I mean? Um, the cross, of course, is a symbol of, you know, the, 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 the biggest symbol of Christianity. You know, it was, but the cross was being used for things before Christianity came into the picture. You know what I mean? Things like that are always interesting to me because you got to figure from the beginning, who knows well, who the cross could have been the symbol of some crazy thing before Christians took it out, you know what I mean? It became... Before it became the cross of Christ, you know what I mean? There was time before Christ, and the cross could have meant something else. So it's a simple symbol, so it probably did. And it's kind of interesting. I wonder what the original stuff was, because people worship it now. And I wonder what the deal would be. Does that fall back, all that worship fall back onto what the original thing was? I mean, there's a possibility of something like that. What do you think, Ray? Uh, well, I'll use another symbol. If you take the uh, SWAT sticker. Yeah. Okay, that is something that uh, Hitler took and turned into evil. Correct, yeah. If you go to different parts of the world, that is act- that has been around for hundreds upon hundreds of years. I mean, we're actually thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And it was not evil at all. It was good. It was a blessing. It was, there's a host of good things. So it's how we take a symbol and we give it the energy or the meaning that we want it to have. Yeah. And it comes to represent that, which not taken, which is not taken away from the symbol, because once we've lent that energy to it, then there's kind of a give and take back and forth. That energy, if it's positive, is recognized, and uh, others can also share in that good energy or that healing. But yeah, uh, yeah there's uh, almost everything we see as modern or that happened in the last two, three thousand years or so can actually go back to. Uh, before that time yeah the thing with the cross is like that old bill hicks joke where he said you know jesus comes back and he you think he's gonna want to see all these crosses around people's necks you know celebrating how he went out you know what i mean i know it's a joke it's a symbol for what happened but you know how it goes now we're gonna get into evangelism and some pentecostalism uh for a little bit and uh you know in the wake of the Enlightenment, which is the European Christians became very deeply embroiled in the debates about miracles, including those related to the existence and casting out of demons. <clears throat> For many of the emergence of modern uh, science called such beliefs into question, in the late 19th century, Christians who sought to retain beliefs in the demons and miracles found refuge in two separate but interconnected developments. 
And those are, <clears throat> let me clear my throat, this is very important. All right. <clears throat> I cleared it too much. Let me fill it up again. All right. A large swath of American evangelicals turned to the new theory called uh, dispensationalism to help them understand how to read the Bible. Dispensationalist theologians argued that the Bible was a book coded by God with a blueprint for human history, past, present, and future. In this theory, human history was divided into different periods of time, dispensations, in which God acted in particular ways. Miracles were assigned to earlier dispensations and would only return as signs of the end of the world. Heaviness. Um, for sure, heaviness. For dispensationalists, the Bible prophesies that the end of the world was near. Um, they argued that the end would occur through the work of demonic forces operating through human inst- uh, inst- uh, institutions. As a result, uh, dis- dispensationalists are often quite distrustful and prone to conspiratorial thinking. Behold the Bill podcast. For example, many believe that the United Nations is part of a plot to create a one-world government ruled by the coming Antichrist. Um, Ray, do you believe that the uh, United Nations is part of a plot to create a one-world government? Uh, that part of it, I can uh, take a look at human nature. I can see that. Yes, yes. You don't. You don't get down with the Antichrist stuff. Um, not in the way, no. You think, uh, do you think the Antichrist is more of an entity than a person? More of a, a, a vibe in the air? I think it's more, it's more of a vibe or an energy than anything else, yeah. yeah that's what I go with. Because I do, I believe in an Antichrist, but I think it to be more of a movement than a person. <clears throat> you know, uh, very, in, you know, the end time stuff always, that's my favorite part about the Bible. I haven't, I've read Revelations, but I haven't read the full Bible. One of these days I want to. Um, but I, it's just so interesting. And I love it because it's a horror movie. Like anybody that gets down with, you know, science fiction, horror, um, some dark, tragic comedy, you know what I mean? I'd check out, uh, I'd definitely check into some, read Revelations because it's quite trippy, you know what I mean? Um, my favorite book of the Bible, if you will. You know what I mean? And it's a complete yin and the yang of Genesis. Genesis is numero uno, and Revelations is the end of the line. Now, such distrust helps explain why Christians like Emmanuel might believe that reptilian creatures work in the U.S. government or that doctors are working to create a vaccine that makes people less religious. <clears throat> They tapped into a little insanity there, I think. Um, they slide back into some Behold the Pill podcast type stuff. But um, now the end of the world, I know Ray has a date. He won't disclose that with any of us, and that's fine. We're not going to push for it. You know, one day uh, we'll all find out. Um, you know, it doesn't get too much into like, um, what do you call it? The um, when they go when they the rapture, rapture. Okay, yeah, the rapture. Yep. 
Yeah, they don't really bring that up that much. But, I mean, that is very, that's a big part of it, at least in the Christian world, you know what I mean? And you got, <clears throat> that's kind of, there's a crazy, there's a, a series of films. There's A Thief in the Night, um, The Prodigal Son. They get some hot names. There's two of them got, like, really cool names to them. But there's, like, four of them all together, I think. We used to watch, back in the day of church, I remember it was probably the best church experience I've ever had in my life. And it was because two things mashed up. It was I had to go to church. And number two, they showed a horror movie. It was so great. And it was these, it was like, I think one or two, uh, maybe three, not all four, because I didn't, I didn't realize there was a fourth one until later in life. But they played these movies, and they're these like '70s exploitation movies that are like religious movies, but they're horrifying because they're like psychological acid horror movies. And it's the whole kind of plot is like everybody turning against you, and you know when everything's all said and done, you kind you caught you know everybody turns on you. They you're, you're on the run for your life. They catch you. And you, you got to go to the final, the final judgment deal, uh, where they go, do you believe, do you believe in Jesus? Uh, I think it's, do you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? That deal. And they go, if they go, yes, uh, they believe it, then they have to get their head cut off and die. They have a guillotine there where they chop your head off. But if you, if you denounce him and say no, then you go into the pile with everybody else and you're allowed to be like, stay alive and such. But the crazy part is like, that's right before everything. Suppose you know, in the Bible, everything goes crazy. This is why it's a the revelation is so great. Cause at that point it goes into even a more a crazier element where it goes like hell on earth type stuff where like beasts come to the earth to like devour humanity, but like they can't die. It's like the weirdest stuff. It's like literally going to hell. It's like literally you go to hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? The earth turns into hell. And then, um, and then it ends, then it ends somehow. Then the comet right. and then Wormwood comes. Um, that, but, that part, that part yeah. of Revelations is called the Great Tribulation, the period of time before the second coming of Christ, where, uh, basically earth becomes hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's some crazy stuff. Um, I definitely think it's a, it's a good read. <clears throat> um, some things are linking up, which is very kind of creepy. The creepy element of Revelations, <clears throat> which I'm not going to quote any because I could be, I haven't read it in a long time, but I just remember things linking up. And uh, like you read it and you go, oh, this is just very, there's a lot of modern stuff kind of going on in this book that was written so long ago. It's very kind of weird, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> getting cracked up voice over here, shit. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the end of the 19th century also saw the emergence of the Pentecostal movement, the fastest growing segment of global Christianity. Pentecostalism featured a renewed interest in the work of the Holy Spirit and its manifestation in new signs and wonders, from miraculous hailings to ecstatic speech. So that's speaking in tongues and miraculous hailings. Is that when they lay hands on people and they got a wheelchairs and stuff? Yes. Yeah. So, and I remember that. I remember like, uh, well, I can't say I, I don't know when I came in. I, I probably wasn't here for that. But I remember, like, 
I remember when the Christ, the, these folks on the televangelists take over. Like, my, like I said, I grew up, like, ch- church was very important in my family, my overall, you know, grandmother, par- you know, parents type vibe, the whole vibe. So, like, it was always around. And I remember, like, get on TV, uh, you know what I mean? So I was there for that boom. That's from a young age. But, um, yeah, the Pentecost, the, 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 the speaking in tongues thing, the speaking in tongues thing is weird because I can do it whenever. But just like, blah, 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 you know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's kind of like one of those deals. That was a bad one because I mocked it. But like, I've heard it so much that like, it's a weird thing to speaking in tongues. Either I'm anointed and don't even realize that I'm a poet and I don't know it. And like, I'm overflowing with the spirit of God that I can just do it whenever. Or like, I can't do it when I'm mocking it, of course. You know what I mean? And I'm on the, cause I'm on the spot. But like, typically I could do it. And like, it's a weird, it just kind of flows. And I don't know if it, what, if it's a, a channeling or just an open route, like you're, you're freeing up a mind space and you just kind of, you know, I, I don't know what exactly it is, but, but I've, it's, I've never spoken tongues. I've never prayed in spoken tongues. Like I've seen people, but I could, me and Ray could be walking down the street, just, just, you know, and there's some there's some time down where we're looking at cars drive by and I could just do it and it would sound exactly like the people do it. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird thing. And I'm not mocking, I'm just saying it's something that I don't know if it I've been around it so much that it just went into me or what the deal is. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, like it's burnt into my mind. I've heard it so much it burnt into my mind because I'm not in some different realm when I do it. You know what I mean? People go people i've talked to a lot of people that do it and it's like they they say that they go to the throne of god like they're praising god so heavy that they go into the spiritual world and they're at the throne they're in the throne room you know and i'm not saying they're not there i'm telling it how what i hear and 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 they're praising him and that they're so happy to be in his presence that they speak in tongues and they you know, it's something like for anybody that's never been to, you know, a church that kind of has that go on. It's very, it's very, uh, it's definitely an interesting take the first time you're around it because you just, yeah, people just start like yipping and running around. I remember seeing people just like run up and down the aisles. And again, I'm not saying it's not true or bad or anything. I'm just saying it was kind of a lot to take in, in the, in the beginning, you know, as a kid, it's, it's, it's not normal behavior, so to speak. You know what I mean? Very interesting stuff. Are you, I'm sure you've been in the presence of, of, of speaking in tongues and you know what I mean? in the running up and down and stuff like that. Right. Uh, no, I haven't really, but, but one thing, uh, growing up, there's a shrine near me. Actually, I went to visit it uh, yesterday uh, with my wife. But I used to go there as a kid. Yeah. And they used to have an old chapel, which I'm really, they're going to now have a, a, a church, which is large and modern. I used to like the old, small, smaller chapel and the, where they held their services in. Because what you had is along the walls, you had a hanging and the walls were completely covered with it. It wasn't uh, religious iconography. There weren't pictures, and there weren't anything like that. 
they were cru- they were crutches and wheelchairs, hmm. and they were all the people, all from people who came in that couldn't walk or had a problem, that they had the services, and by the end of it, they were able to walk out on their own. Uh, they were healed, everything, and what they would do is they would just move that to the side. When I started running low on room, they would actually hang them on the walls. And I was their uh, testimony or testament to, what, to God by showing that. But it was really very little wall. By the time I got a little older, there was hardly any wall space left. There was so much stuff there from people who, uh, like I said, came in in a wheelchair and then walked out and left it behind. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I've seen people, It's and I don't... I believe that, you know, praying for things, speaking things out, saying that they're going to happen for you. I believe in that stuff wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? Uh, I've asked the universe for things and it's given it to me. You know what I mean? I definitely believe in these things. Now, Uh, when you ask for something, be careful. Well, I always say, I always say big, big brother Ray's watching out for me. So you better behave yourself. It's one of those things about manifesting, particularly if you're using magic. Uh, chaos magic is one particular type is that you're putting something out in the universe that you want, but be careful. You may get it, but not in the way that you want. I mean, the example I'll use is let's say uh, you're in dire monetary straits and you want, uh, and you're trying to look for money or prosperity and you're doing your rituals and you're driving down the street. And someone in a Bentley comes by and rams into you. And as a result, two things happen. One is you're in a wheelchair the rest of your life. Mm. But this person who is uh, rich and owns half the world has just paid you has just paid you off in a lawsuit, mega yeah. millions of dollars. So you got your mega millions. So when you ask for something, be careful because it won't always come back the way you want. You may get it, but how you get it is always undetermined. And that brings that brings us all back. When you're asking the universe, what are you asking? If done wrong, are you actually communicating with or interacting with something that is demonic or evil? Mm. You gotta be careful. How, be very careful how you do that because you then might be having your own psychic intercourse with a demon. Well, as a kid, I probably didn't know. I feel like if I pray for something or ask for something nowadays, I like to think that what I believe in is here is what's hearing me. You know what I mean? Um, but you're right. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, like it's for sure. Like uh, when I was very questionable spiritually when I was younger, I think uh, I think you could you probably hit the nail on the head right there. Where like I. I I definitely, probably, most likely, it's possible. I'm trying to think other words that mean the same thing that I can say. But uh, it's very, you know, I'm sure I, I could have, you know, let the wrong thing in by, by doing, you know, saying the wrong thing or whatever, or, or being open to certain things. I think I was very open as a kid, just kind of uh, anything that was good anything that brought goodness. Like if something, if I came into, if I came in, if something came upon me at the right time and I was, 
it wasn't fantastic time in my life and maybe things happened because you know for the better while I was kind of engulfed in that thing I think that that'd be enough for me to kind of fall under the wing of that thing you know what I mean I think that's a lot with with a lot of people that kind of get behind religions I think that's kind of what it is is there you know everybody kind of life's not is beautiful you know life's everybody's got the ups and downs in life so i think like when people kind of are in a weird place and they they come into a religion and because of that religion or the faith or the positivity going on around the new people or whatever it is i think that's kind of the blessings that they see and that kind that's kind of what pulls them into um the community of religion you know what i mean at that point I guess like any community relationship, it would you would have to continue to like the folks and the message to kind of continue with it. And that right there is kind of my whole take on religion, you know. But, you know, meanwhile, the end of the 19th century saw that big, emer- uh, that big emergence. So I was very, you know, the miraculous hailings, I, had, I haven't really seen anything like that. And I was going to ask you if you have, but you just you, you did, which was interesting with having all that stuff up on there. And that's very cool to have the walkers and wheelchairs and stuff hanging on your wall. That's gangster. Like, that's spiritual gangster. You know what I mean? Like, I respect that gangster for sure. That's putting, you know, that's being like, how you like dumb apples? You know what I mean? I got big respect for that. Um, and that's beautiful that they, they, they were healed and they, you know. It's very, it's interesting. I wonder if like the excite. I think if the, what's when it comes to miraculous stuff like that, people getting up out of wheelchairs. The only thing that I, you got, you got a straight miracle. And the only thing that only other thing that I could think would happen, which doesn't even make sense, but could start to make sense before you, you can cut it down is the possibility of that person having so much faith and so their energy being so booming for hope and happiness in that thing and linking up with like loving what they're putting their love into, like their God, you know what I mean? That the energy, like, like it just, the magic in them, you know what I mean? Gets them going. That's the only, you know what I mean? It's very interesting stuff though. Well, stepping outside of whether it be Pentecostal or other church, if you go back to the Gnostic beliefs, and I believe it kind of a situation like that, for a miracle to happen um it happens best uh one old saying that gnostics used to have is be careful when you reach out to god because god reaches back that's that's just like the that abyss quote don't look into the abyss because the abyss is looking back at you oh when fighting monsters be careful you don't become one yeah i wonder which ones came first Someone's got some plagiarism issues, lawsuits coming their way. Now, as scholar Andre Gagne has written, Emmanuel has deep ties to the prominent Pentecostal networks in Nigeria, Mountains of Fire Ministries, or MFM, founded in 1989 in Lagos by Daniel Kalaur, Alioka, they got big names, a geneticist turned popular preacher. Uh, his church has developed into a transnational network with offshoots in the U.S. and Europe. So like, ma- like many Pentecostals in the Global South, the Mountain of Fire Ministries believe spiritual forces can be the cause of many different uh, afflictions, including divorce and poverty. 
Yeah. Of course. You're, I mean, when you're spirit, you just think of your spirit. Like if you lost your spirit, you know, not even, you know, like a broken spirit, like just down and out type vibe, that type of bro- broken spirit type deal. Like that's definitely going to hurt a relationship. If you feel like your spirit's broken, you know, your inner essence, your inner spine of who you are, like your personality spine is busted. Yeah, it's going to hurt everything around it. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how it works. What do you think, Ray? Ray says, fuck you, man. I'm out of here. No, I was just thinking, <laughs> when, you're, uh, when your spirit is broken and you're not feeling good or things got you down, um, it becomes much more difficult for you to be outwardly focused. It becomes much more difficult for you to love or to be giving when you're just wrapped up in your own negativity. And that just makes it even worse as far as a relationship goes to maintain one. When you're locked inside uh, a depressed mind, how do you reach out to somebody? Or how do you even accept any help from somebody? So uh, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call it demonic, but I'd say that, uh, yeah, that's a contributing factor there, your mental state. The depressed mind, yeah. That's heavy. That's heavy because you got to fucking break it. You got to break out of it. It's tough, but sometimes you got to figure out a way. Uh, you think, you know, always be thinking for like a backup, like your 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 uh, depressed mind uh, kit. Where you, you you know you break break the glass and you get the axe out so you can get yourself back. You know, you need a little something or other to get you there. Now, deliverance Christianity. That's the last subject I want to kind of touch on, and then we'll we'll wrap it up with our thoughts and opinions on uh, the sexual misconduct of demons. Now, for Christians like Emmanuel, spirits pose a threat to humans both spiritually and physically. In her recent book, Saving Sex, uh, religion scholar Amy Deragotis shows how beliefs about spiritual warfare grew increasingly common around Christians in the middle of the last century. Why do you think it's kind of grown? Any, any, any opinion before moving forward? Uh, when, when they say last century, I'm wondering, is she talking about mid-1900s or mid-1800s? Uh, yeah. I'd probably say 19. Because okay, I know in the, the mid to late 1800s, you had a resurgence in spiritualism. Yeah. Uh, mid 1900s, then you're probably talking about the stresses and the problems of World War II and, and fear of the atomic age. So that had a lot of influence on how people thought and people, how people a lot looked, of- looked at the whole world, end of yeah. the world, really. It's proven that people have more sex when they're afraid of dying, too, or as a, as a society, like statistics show. Well, you know, might might as well if you're not going to be around that long. That's the whole deal. Don't going to worry about them Christmas presents if everybody's gone, you know what I mean? Now, these Christians claim to have the knowledge and skills required to deliver humans from the bonds of demonic possession, which can include demon lodged in the DNA, which that, that right there is a good pull. You know, that's a long, you got to... You gotta make sure you hit the gym that week. You're gonna be pulling some demons out of DNA. That's deep in there. Now, for these Christians, spiritual warfare was a battle against a dangerous set of demonic foes that attacked the body as much as the soul. 
I definitely believe in that. I do. I believe. I believe they'll physically. You know, they get in you. They get in you, and they'll then they'll eventually, not just mentally, but physically, start to mess with you too, which is troublesome. Well, a lot of people have heard of it uh, being possessed, yeah. in which you have exercise exorcisms. What that sounds more like is when uh, currently I don't know what the old term is, but currently they say when a spirit jumps you. Yeah, it's not it's not a full possession, and it's stronger than an attachment. But what they do is they attach and they become part of you, not a full possession. You're still you, but they're draining your energy, and quite often they make you sick. And the whole purpose is to bring you down as they drain, take your energy, and take your life force away. So you start you start having. Uh, conditions where you have to go in for an operation or you have a kidney failure and this and all this stuff is going on you've been jumped by a spirit yeah. and it sounds more like that that they're the spirits or the demons are dragging you down physically so that you're very weak so that they can either take your soul or just outright kill you and take your energy or your soul that's heavy stuff man I was hoping you weren't going to say that, Ray. You know what I mean? That's more common than, than being possessed. That's yeah. fairly common. No, you're right. The, uh, the belief that demons have sex with humans is then not an aberration in the history of Christianity. Hmm. It might be tempting to see Emmanuel's support for conspiracy theories as separate from her claims that demons cause gynecological ailments hmm. interesting but it's, yeah, it's interesting you know, however because demons have also been associated with influence in culture and politics it is not surprising that ho- those who believe in them might distrust the government schools and other things non-believers might take to be common sense hmm. that's true yeah demons do influence our culture I would I would have to agree with that. Whether you want to say they're in the in political places, or they're the people, the entities really pulling the triggers during these school shootings and horrible stuff. Like, there's definitely demons out there at work that are bringing society to a bad place for sure. You know what I mean? What do you think? I think it's. Um... I agree. It works on multiple levels. I mean, if they're, let's say someone, and I'll use the word, has been jumped or they have an attachment and they start losing it mentally, they're, they're very strong, strongly under the influence to do evil, to create evil. And as they create evil, you mentioned things like uh, school or other shootings. That stresses people and that spreads the weakness and that spreads the fear. And that's what the uh, demonic forces feed on is that fear. And they are more people become stressed and fearful. Their guard is down. And then those forces can tap into more people. And it just kind of steamrolls. It's kind of like that uh, snowball going down a hill. It grows and grows and grows. And in our current society, there's no reason not to believe that uh, someone who has thrown any any idea of uh, doing something for others and have just turned around and decided that they're going to protect themselves and get everything they can and then they get power and then they get money 
and they've lost any good in them. Yeah. And so that now they are basically ruling or controlling other people and they're doing it from a from an evil place and they're spreading the evil that way. So yeah, the evil has overtaken them and they're in a position of power. And does does that happen at, within politicians and others? Uh, yeah, I believe it, it really does. The power uh, becomes all they care about and they lose themselves into it. And to me, that is very demonic. With that. So the question of the hour, you know what I mean? Or roughly an hour and a half here, I'll say. We got you think we got these demons having sex with uh with humans creating trouble? I believe so, but I also have to believe that we can we have to think of it more than just the physical. It's an intimacy and it can be spiritual, emotional, physical, where they bind themselves to you. They give you a pleasure, whether it is uh, psychological, and it can be physical as well, um, so that you are, you have that interchange, you have that that uh, sex or commingling with that evil. And does that happen? Oh yeah, that happens. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the point of the physical and the mental, because both definitely going on. Um, what's your take on when we're talking about physical, <clears throat> of course, we have like a possessed type demon where you you know it's the it's in the body of a you know a regular looking human guy. Um, but what should how how what do you think about like a something that actually looks like a demon having sex with a human? What are you thinking about oh. something like that? Well, you're going to have to go back to the idea of an incubus or a succubus yeah. having you know you're, you're the people that trade their their soul, so to speak, for uh, wealth, rich, richness, or power. But what they're doing is, is they're mating with that demon, uh, taking it within themselves and becoming intertwined with it. And that can be physical because they lose sight of uh, what they're doing and who they're interacting with. So I believe that it can be, uh, whether the form is something beautiful or whether the form is something evil, once someone gets turned far enough, it doesn't matter to them anymore as long as they get their power, as long as they get their wealth. Well, it's been a pleasure, right? You know what I mean? This is another good episode. This is a lot of fun. I didn't realize we were going to have this much fun rolling through this one. Well, a dark, a dark subject for dark times. Well, ain't that the truth? We, this was a pretty well-rounded, darkly rounded episode. We went a little ever. We talked about current events that were going on now uh, that still kind of relate. Very scary stuff. Very, very scary stuff out there, I guess. You know, all you can do is protect yourself. Uh, if you need help with that, I believe we have an episode on season one of Mostly Ghostly about how to protect yourself. Maybe two two episodes in season one, just because it's that important, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so yeah, I agree with Ray one hundred ten percent on what he said, uh, and all around. You know, I tried to add a little bit to it, and uh, at the end there, and I think we're usually always on the same page for the most part, but sometimes we're not. Mostly, we is. You know what I mean. 
But if you enjoyed this episode, go check out another episode. I think you will probably enjoy them as well. Um, check us out on social medias. You know what I mean? Check out, uh, we're a part of the Mostly Ghostly is a part of the Boombastic Media Network. Whole slew of shows over there. All good shows. We stand by them. Good folks. Uh, pop over and uh, check out check out what they got for you. There might be another topic that piques your interest. You know what I mean? Um, we also got the Boombastic streaming Patreon page for anybody that wants to support. Uh, different tiers. You have podcasting, you have film stuff and, and beyond. Uh, very nice. A lot of cool stuff on there. We don't push this too heavy, but it is kind of cool if you dig what we do. So we do offer it. Um, and with that being said, we hope everybody had a great fourth. And uh, if you see a demon coming your way, just keep walking. Because that ex-boyfriend that you have, or that ex-girlfriend that you have, you thought that they were terrible. Imagine laying down with a demon. What do they say? You lay down with a demon, you wake up screaming. So uh, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a scream of ecstasy either. I think it's going to be pain. They go. It's the ecstasy of pain. Some people like a little bit of both, I hear. It's uh, just a little bit... All right. Well, with that being said, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly.